Welcome back to At The Buzzer. I'm your host, Dean McCollum, joined along with my co-hosts, Andrew Lubliner, Campbell Klein, and Tyler Fertel. We have a super exciting episode for you today that includes a quick sports update, then a start bench cut segment. Without further ado, let's get started. First, we're going to talk about Aaron Judge's unbelievable start to the MLB season. Yeah, so Aaron Judge has been off to a, a historical start. He's already an MLB favorite because he's hit seven home runs in 10 starts. So that's just unbelievable. He's only the second Yankee to ever accomplish that feat. Uh, A-Rod did that back in 2007. He leads the league in RBIs in 17, and he's led the he's led the Yankees to a 9-3 start. So, you know, he's trying to bring them a championship, and he's playing really well right now. Andrew, I have a question for you. Do you think Judge is going to be able to sustain this level of play throughout the season or not? Uh, yes, I do believe that he will be able to sustain this level of play throughout the season just because you know right now I know it's only been 10 games but the way he looks he's in he's in the best shape of his career he's moving well he's he's swinging the bat well in past years he's had a high strikeout rate he used to strike out a lot but you know now he's being able to lay off pitches and he's been able to get side to get to that outside corner so yeah I think he's gonna be able to sustain this and I personally think that we've seen in years past that Aaron Judge has been one of the best hitters in the MLB. I think that if he continues to have this really hot streak going, I think he could potentially be called the best hitter in the MLB if he can sustain this for the whole shortened season. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. The Phoenix Suns have been off to a blazing start, starting 4-0 and in the bubble. Campbell, would you like to talk about that a little more? Yeah, so as Dean said, the Suns got off to a 4-0 start in the bubble as of Friday morning, and their highlight game, I think we would all agree, was their game against the Los Angeles Clippers. And in the game, with time expiring, Devin Booker pump-faked on Kawhi Leonard and then hit a fadeaway jumper over Paul George's outstretched arm. It was an incredible shot. I think we were all watching that game. And after their four wins, the Suns are now one and a half games out of the nine seed, and if they were to get into the nine seed, they would force a play-in series. So do you think the Suns are going to be able to make the nine seed? And if so, do you think they'll make the playoffs and do anything in the playoffs? Um, I personally think uh, they're going to be able to push the Memphis Grizzlies to a play-in. They're going to force that. And there's going to be a really exciting uh, extra couple games for the play-in. But I don't think they quite have what it takes. I think they're uh, one draft pick away from actually securing that eight seed, which would be next year. So if they could get uh, one of the best point guards this upcoming draft class, I think they would have a really good chance. And speaking about that Devin Booker buzzer beater over Kawhi and Paul George, um, it was really the first time we were able to see Devin Booker compete in a game where there's a lot on the line because he's never been in the playoffs. Um, and I think that shows a lot and it makes a really good case for him for a top sh- uh, shooting guard in the league. Uh, Dean, I'll add to what you're saying, but I'm going to start with talking about the Suns. So the Trailblazers are, after Thursday's games, they're uh, half a game out of the eight seed in the Grizzlies. And the Grizzlies haven't won a game. They're 0-4 in the bubble so far. And they still have a tough road ahead playing um, four more playoff teams. So I think that it's going to be really tough for them to win enough games to maybe even secure the eight or nine seeds. So I think that the Trailblazers, I think, will end up getting the eight seed. And then the Suns, I think, can come in and maybe snatch that nine seed if the Grizzlies continue to lose games and they can win most of the games left. Well, to add to what both of you guys are saying, I think the Suns have maybe a 50-50 chance of getting the eight seed this year. But if they don't get it this year, I think they're going to be a playoff team next year with a draft pick. 
And Devin Booker, as Dean was saying, has really proven himself as one of the league's young premier stars. And in the game against the Clippers, Booker scored or assisted on the Suns' 10 of the Suns' final 12 points. So he's really a playmaker. He can come up clutch in big moments. I also want to piggyback on what Tyler said there uh, about the Grizzlies uh, maybe falling even out of the play. And, you know, yeah, the Grizzlies are 0-4, so they could potentially slip down to the 10 seed. And that could uh, give room for a team like the Suns to get to the ninth seed or the eighth seed because the Trailblazers are also right there with half a game behind. So I think it'll be interesting a seed race. Adding to Dean Campbell's and Andrew's thoughts about Devin Booker, I think that Devin Booker over the past couple of years and becoming an all-star this year, I think that he has established himself as a top five shooting guard in the league, maybe even a top three if he continues to play well. And I think that like Campbell said, he is one of the top young guards players in the NBA I think that he's going to be an all-star consistently for the years to come Uh, I just want to add one more thing before we hop to our next topic Um, the Suns were off to a really good start at the beginning of the season and then DeAndre Ayton got suspended and then their record sort of just went downhill from there so if DeAndre Ayton hadn't gotten suspended they could be in that eight seed they could be in the driver's seat the Grizzlies were in before they played their four bubble game. So yeah, I do think the Suns could have had a chance if DeAndre Aiden didn't get suspended. Now we're going to move on to our bubble breakout player. You probably already know who it is. Many people have been talking about him. It is TJ Warren of the Indiana Pacers. In his first three games, his stat line has been 53 points versus the Sixers, 34 versus the Wizards, and 32 versus the Magic. That is unbelievable. He's been by far the best scorer in the bubble, and I can confidently say that. He exploded versus the Sixers, and the Sixers did not know how to contain him. And the Pacers ended up giving the Sixers that loss because of it. And he's led the Pacers to a hot 3-1 and one start. Yeah, I don't think anyone expected TJ Warren to all of a sudden be going off. I think it's kind of crazy, though, that he was traded from the Suns for cash considerations. And it looks like he was definitely worth more. And it's kind of a what if, going back to our last question, what if the Suns had kept TJ Warren? And all of a sudden, he'd be going off for them now. Having that one-two punch with Booker and Warren and Aiton down low, that would help the Suns a lot. But yeah, I mean, no one really expected this, but... You know, in the bubble, um, anyone can go off. I mean, you got a guy like Michael Porter Jr. who's also going off, but TJ Warren, he's playing amazing. And yeah, he's just having the best games of his career. TJ Warren has been a prime scorer for the Pacers this bubble restart because in practice games, their best scorer, an all-star tier player, DeMontis Sabonis got injured. And that really opened up a big spot for TJ Warren, who is now this uh, Pacers lead scorer. So I think that in these bubble games, after already clinching a spot in the playoffs and just trying to blend with his teammates and play well, I think that this is a really big opportunity for TJ Warren to show who he is and really make an impact. Well, a lot of people forget that after TJ Warren's 53-point performance, he did put up 34 points. But to go along with those 34 points, he also had a season-high 11 rebounds and a career-high four blocks. Really quickly, do you guys think TJ Warren could be a top-tier player on a title contender team? I do think he could be a very nice role piece that every single title contending team could use. He's a he's not a 3-and-D wing. I wouldn't call him a great defender. He is an above-average defender. However, every single team could use him if they're contending for a championship. Yeah, I, I don't think he can be a star player, like a number one or number two option, but I think he could definitely be a starting small forward on a championship team uh, based on what he's done so far in the bubble. And adding to that, as I said before, I mean, with the opening and injury of DeMontis Sabonis in that lineup, he's been really good. I mean, he's put up 
over 30 points in the first three games in the bubble. I mean, that's incredible for any player. So I think that if he can keep this up, people will look at him as a potential all-star player if he continues this maybe into the playoffs and potentially into next season. Now we're going to move on to the Coach of the Year Award, Tyler. Okay, so yeah, the National Basketball Coaches Association, which is made up of the 30 NBA head coaches named Thunder head coach Billy Donovan and Bucks head coach Mike Budenholzer as the co-recipients of the NBCA's Coach of the Year Award. And the following coaches also received votes. Taylor Jenkins of the Grizzlies, Nate McMillan of the Pacers, Nick Nurse of the Raptors, Eric Spolstra of the Heat, Brad Stevens of the Celtics, and Frank Vogel of the Lakers. And Mike Budenholzer is now the first two-time winner of this award. So my question for you guys is, do you think these two coaches, head coach Billy Donovan for the Thunder and Mike Budenholzer for the Bucks, do you think they deserve this award? Um, yeah, I think both these coaches are very deserving. Uh, I think first off with Billy Donovan, you know, this Thunder team, they traded away Paul George and Russell Westbrook. They got a ton of cap space, a ton of picks, and they're a young team. They have a few veterans. They got guys like uh, Steven Adams and Chris Paul. Chris Paul's having uh, an MVP caliber season. He's playing really well. And I think that Billy Donovan uh, did a great job of coaching those guys into the playoffs this year. And, you know, maybe they'll be able to upset someone in the playoffs. But Mike Budenholzer, obviously, he led the Bucks to the best record in the league. But I, I feel like there's another coach in the East that deserves it over him, even though he's still very deserving. And that would be Nick Nurse, just because, you know, they lost Kawhi Leonard, who's probably like a top five, top three player in the uh, NBA. And, you know, after losing him and still having a better record and still being able to be the two seed in the playoffs and, you know, playing streaming well, I just think that that deserves a ton of credit. Um, I'm going to agree with Andrew right there. I've been saying it for a long time. I had a feeling this was going to happen, that Mike Budenholzer was going to be the uh, most voted coach for this award. But I totally think that Nick Nurse deserves it. Um, I mean, like Andrew said, he's leading a team without Kawhi Leonard, who they had last year, to the same exact position they have right now, the two seed in the Eastern Conference. So I definitely think he deserves it. I think that the Raptors are the best coach team in the NBA right now. In the Western Conference, I like the Billy Donovan pick. I think that he's been a very good coach in those trades with the Clippers and the Rockets early in the year. Like you said, um, they got rid of their two best players, but they added Chris Paul, who no one thought he was going to be as good as he's been and as good of a leader as he's been. They've added these pieces like Shea Gildas-Alexander and Danilo Gallinari that have really helped them this year. So I think Billy Donovan has uh, been a good coach this year, and he deserves this award. But another coach in the Western Conference that I think has been surprising and pretty good, too, is Taylor Jenkins of the Grizzlies. I mean, they're a very young team. John Morant, the, uh, the rookie, the second pick in the NBA draft, is leading them to a potential playoff spot. I don't know if they'll be able to hold it because there are the, a lot of teams uh, trailing them, but we'll see. And then in the Eastern Conference, like you said, Mike Boomholzer has led the Bucks to the first seed two years in a row but he's basically had the same team. And I think that Nick Nurse, after losing his best player in Kawhi Leonard and a good role player in Danny Green, deserves this award a little more because he lost his best player in another starter and is still able to get that second seed once again. And it's really impressive. Now we're going to piggyback on that and talk about the Toronto Raptors' hot start in the NBA bubble. So like we mentioned in the segment before, they're ranked second in the East, which is the same as last year. In their first three games, they defeated the Lakers by 15, the Heat in a narrow victory, and beat the Magic by 10. And uh, my question for all of you guys is, 
Is there a real possibility for the Raptors to win the East and defend their title? Yeah, I think there is actually a really good chance that they can uh, re- represent the East in the finals again. They're going to face some tough teams along the way. Obviously, the Bucks are a great team. The Celtics are good. The 76ers obviously have uh, an insane amount of talent. But I just think that the Raptors, you know, they have a lot of young talent, but they're experienced. And, you know, their bench is really good. They got guys like Norman Powell, OG Ananobi. Those guys are playing well, good 3 and D players. Kyle Lowry's playing the best he's ever played in his career. Pascal Siakam is an all-star. He can uh, be the first option on the championship team, as you've seen. They're already the two seed. They're playing really well. And Fred Van Fleet, I think, is, you know, last year he showed a glimpse of this in the finals, but now he's really proving how good he actually is. On any given night, he can drop 30 points. And, uh, yeah, I think that um, the Raptors definitely have a really good chance to represent the East in the finals. Well, uh, to continue what Andrew is saying about Fred Van Vliet, I really, really like the depth of this Raptors team. Every single night, you don't know who's going to have a big game. It could be Kyle Lowry, who's the leading scorer. It could be Pascal Siakam. It could be Fred Van Vliet. You never know. I really like that if one player on their team has an off game, someone else is going to pick up their slack and have an even stronger game. So I think in games where, for example, on the Bucks, if Giannis doesn't have a good game and Chris Middleton maybe doesn't have a good game either, they're sort of screwed for the game. But with the Raptors, if a few guys don't have a good game, they still have a lot of strong starters and bench players to sort of back them up. So I think the Raptors could definitely make a run. I'm going to add to what you're saying, Campbell. I think I, I agree. And I think that they can potentially make the finals. I don't know if they'll win it with all these good Western Conference teams. But uh, the Raptors have a lot of chemistry. I mean, they made the finals last year. They basically have the same team other than Kawhi Leonard, as I said before, and Danny Green. But um, I, their defense, as we saw versus the Lakers and in the other two bubble games, has been phenomenal. I mean, the most points they've put up in this bubble is 103, and then the other two have been in the 90s. And as I'm saying, like, if you can limit a team's points consistently and only give them – low 100s I mean it's going to be really hard to play them and they're going to win a lot of games in the playoffs because their their defense is always good and I think that if they consistently can continue to shoot well and Kyle Lowry has been playing the best he has or ever has Fred Van Vliet is playing well Pascal Siakam is was the comeback player of the year award and is playing really well right now so and I think that if they continue to shoot well and they play very well on defense they're going to be a really tough team to play. I just want to add one more thing. Uh, based on what Tyler was saying about how good of a defensive team they are and limiting teams to uh, below 100 points, they've also been playing a little 2-3 zone so far. Uh, in the NBA, we've seen more teams adapt to kind of uh, playing zone and maybe a little more press. But uh, the Raptors having two small guards in Lowry and Fed. Uh, Fred Van Fleet in the end of the game they've been playing a little 2-3 zone and that has definitely been very effective against teams like the Lakers who aren't uh, shooting threes very well right now answering this question now um, I do think the Raptors are real title contenders based on what I've seen for their four regular season games in the bubble originally before the regular season games and the scrimmage games even happened I had the Celtics actually coming out of the east but after watching that Celtics Bucks matchup I mean they cannot stop Giannis and Giannis can stop every single player on that team the Raptors have someone to stop Giannis and Pascal Siakam, and they're the best defensive team, or, or maybe the second best after the Bucks, uh, in the NBA. So I do think the Raptors are real dangerous in the Eastern Conference. 
and actually adding to what you're saying, Dean, the Celtics play the Raptors tonight, Friday night. And I think that's going to be a very interesting game because it will show a potential playoff matchup, a really interesting one. And I think that if the Raptors can play well, I think they are title contenders. And I think they can potentially really beat the Bucks in a playoff series. Now we will get into our start bench cut segment. For each start bench cut scenario, I will announce three players to the group. Then we will be able to see who we'd rather start, bench, and cut on our team. Everyone will get a chance to explain why they made that certain decision after stating who they'd start, bench, and cut. Our first scenario for this segment will be, if you were the head coach of a team, who would you start, bench, cut? Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, or Derrick Henry? Andrew, do you want to start us off? Yes, I will. So uh, for these players, I'm going to start Ezekiel Elliott, I'm going to bench Derrick Henry, and I'm going to cut Dalvin Cook. So the reason why I'm starting Ezekiel Elliott is just because he's the most consistent, and I think he has the best skill set out of all three of these guys. All of these guys are great runners, but a guy like Derrick Henry, who he was the rushing king last year, but he can't play in the pass game. On passing downs, he is off the field. When, when he's on the field and passing downs, the Titans get stuck because he can't run routes out of the backfield or line up as a wide receiver. So he has to just sit there and block, which is kind of uh, useless for the running back. And I'd, I'd cut Dalvin Cook just because uh, he's a little injury prone. So that's why Zeke's better than him. And he can go out of the backfield, but he has missed a lot of time. So I'd also take Zeke because he's more consistent and he can catch balls out of the backfield and also line up as a wide receiver. Now I'm going to choose to start Derrick Henry, bench Ezekiel Elliott, and cut Dalvin Cook. I'm going to start Derrick Henry. I don't even think it's a close call. Henry won last year's rushing title, and Henry has proven to show up in big games as he did consistently in the Titans' 2019 playoff run. And then I'm going to bench Zeke and cut Dalvin because, as Andrew said, I agree, Zeke is a much more consistent player, and Dalvin is a little more injury-prone. You can always count on Zeke to pick up 80-plus yards per game. So, Campbell, I'm going to have to agree with you on this one. I think I'm going to start the ultimate fright train, Derrick Henry, uh, bench Ezekiel Elliott, and cut Dalvin Cook. And as Campbell said, Derrick Henry has proven that he can show up in big games. He was the rushing title leader last year and single-handedly led the Titans to the AFC championship game. And I think that he's the best running back out of these three just because he was able to do that. And Zeke played all 16 games last year and wasn't able to lead his team in probably maybe last year the worst division in the NFL not even to a playoff spot. And I think Dalvin Cook, who led his team to a playoff spot, but was injured too much last year, he's very injury prone. He's been injured. He tore his ACL in his first season, wasn't even able to play in that first season. So I think that Derrick Henry is the best player out of these three. Coming in after him is Ezekiel Elliott, who I will bench, and Dalvin Cook, who I will cut. Um, I'm going to have to agree with Tyler and Campbell. It's going to be the same order for me. I'm going to start Derrick Henry, bench Ezekiel Elliott, and cut Dalvin Cook. And uh, I think Zeke definitely does get the most shine of these three running backs, which is why his name's always like consistently in who's the best running back in the NFL. But however, I do think I agree with um, Tyler and Campbell. I think it's Derrick Henry. And like Tyler was saying, Derrick Henry proved himself to be the, a top two running back in the league in the playoffs. I mean, he led his team to the wild card uh, with the Titans, and then they beat the Patriots, and then they upsetted the overhyped Baltimore Ravens. And uh, the reason why I cut Dalvin Cook is because, uh, like everyone's saying, he's super injury-prone compared to the others, and he's also just way less experienced. I do think this could change over the next few years, but he's less experienced and more injury-prone, so that's why I'm going to choose to cut him. Our next start bench cut is... 
Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, and Julio Jones. Andrew, we'll start with you again. This is uh, definitely a very tough decision. I've been thinking about this one the most. I'm going to have to start Julio Jones, bench Michael Thomas, and I'm actually going to cut DeAndre Hopkins. And here are my reasons why. Basically, I think Julio Jones is the best receiver in the league. First of all, he's he was voted by all the players as the best wide receiver in the NFL. So if the players guarding him think he's the toughest one to guard, then I think it's self-explanatory that he is the best wide receiver. I think that, you know, he can go he can beat you with speed, he can go up and get the ball. He's a great route runner. The reason why I put him ahead of Michael Thomas is because he doesn't have a top ten quarterback of all time throwing him the ball. Drew Brees and also he doesn't get the targets. Uh, Michael Thomas is the only good wide receiver on the Saints. He gets like 20 targets a game. And Drew Brees being one of the best quarterbacks of all time, he makes them all on point. So Michael Thomas gets way more opportunities. And I'm cutting down Drew Hopkins just because last year he had the most drops out of all the three. And I feel like he's not as good as a route runner as both of these guys. Although, yes, maybe his stats take a hit because of the quarterbacks he's played with. But uh, still, I'm going by the NFL players vote. So, yeah, I, I definitely take Julio Jones over both of them. Campbell, what's your opinion on this? Well, I just had one question for Andrew. You don't think Matt Ryan is sufficient enough? Because I don't know about you guys, but I think Matt Ryan's probably a top 30 to 40 quarterback of all time. Matt Ryan is definitely a very good quarterback. He is a uh, former MVP, uh, but he's declining now. Also, the Saints have no other pass threats. Alvin Kamara last year was injured, and he was not himself. The uh, Falcons also have a top uh, 30 wide receiver in Calvin Ridley, who is a huge deep threat and also gets uh, a ton of targets. So Julio Jones is not the only wide receiver on his team. Michael Thomas is the only wide receiver on his team. Wait, you're saying that Calvin Ridley is a top 30 wide receiver in the league? You're saying that on a team he could potentially be a wide receiver number one this year? If you put him on the Raiders, if you put him on the Broncos, if you put him... He's not better than Cortland Sutton. His numbers were really good last year. Okay, okay, we'll move on. Um, Campbell, let's go with your start bench cut. Yeah, so I'm going to start Michael Thomas, bench DeAndre Hopkins, and cut Julio Jones. Uh, my reasoning behind this is Michael Thomas is the clear number one for me. He's the back-to-back yards leader and touchdowns leader. He's simply the best wide receiver there. And then it was a closer call between Hopkins and Jones, but I'm going to choose to keep DeAndre Hopkins on my team because DeAndre Hopkins is more reliable. He doesn't drop passes. And Julio Jones in the past has had a lot of trouble uh, getting the ball into the end zone. I think in 2018, he didn't score a single touchdown until week seven. And at the end of the day, I need a wide receiver who's going to put six points up on the board. Okay, Campbell, I'm going to have to disagree with you on this one. I'm going to start Julio Jones, bench DeAndre Hopkins, and cut Michael Thomas. So Julio Jones, like Andrew said, cornerbacks in the NFL have consistently said that Julio Jones is literally like an alien. He's huge. He's long. He catches so many passes, crazy passes. He's oh, just an insane wide receiver. He's so tough to guard. I think that he can most consistently get you points on the board and get you um, touchdowns and receptions so well, so easily. And um, I'm going to have to bench DeAndre Hopkins because he, he hasn't has as established of a quarterback as Michael Thomas has. Michael Thomas has Drew Brees throwing to him, who's a top 10 all-time quarterback. Deshaun Watson has been in the league for under five years. And so he's just finding his rhythm. He's a really good quarterback, but he was just traded to another team, Kyler Murray, who's coming up on a second year, and we'll see what he can do here. 
but I like DeAndre Hopkins because he's a very he's always been a very good wide receiver. He's always top two, three in yards and receptions every year and touchdowns too. And then Michael Thomas, he's I mean, obviously he's an incredible wide receiver. I just think for the fact that he has more a better quarterback than both of these other um players and he hasn't been in the league as long as these other players. Um, I just think for that, for those facts, I have to cut him. Um, I have one more thing to add. I personally don't see how the fact that Michael Thomas has a good quarterback has to do with how good of a receiver he is. And also, does it worry you guys that Julio Jones is entering like his 10th season and you're starting him on your team? Um, one thing that I have to say really quickly is that all we're saying about the the quarterbacks is that with Michael Thomas having a better quarterback, he's had more opportunities to catch better passes. And so he's he's been a player that with a better quarterback, you get better tosses, which gives you the chance to have better receptions and more receptions. So that's all we're saying. We're not saying that him having a better quarterback really affects the wide receiver he is. We're just saying that he has more of a chance to be great. Uh, does it worry you that Julio Jones is entering his 10th season? Um, it does not worry me that he is entering his 10th season just because he's insanely athletic and he's experienced and he shows up in the playoffs and I, it does not worry me at all. You know, he's super athletic and although Michael Thomas uh, and DeAndre Hopkins are significantly younger, I still think that uh, Julio Jones is best. Now we're going to move into our NBA start bench cut segment. So who would you rather start bench or cut? Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, or Carl Anthony Towns? So I will start uh, for this one. So I will be starting Nikola Jokic, benching Joel Embiid, and cutting Carl Anthony Towns. I think it's a pretty no-brainer for me um, who's getting cut right here, and that's Carl Anthony Towns. Cat hasn't been able to be the number one option on a playoff team. He's been to the playoffs one time in his entire career, and the only reason he was in the playoffs that season is because Jimmy Butler was leading that team. Cat was also injured Almost the entire season, although he looked very good when he was healthy, he's still super injury prone compared to the other two, which is why I'm cutting him. Now I'm going to move on to why I'm starting Nikola Jokic. Jokic is the best passing big man in the NBA right now. There's no disputing that in my opinion. And I think when it's all said and done and his career is over, I think he could be one of the best passing big men of all time, if not the best. And I think he's a more well-rounded center. That can do a little more of anything compared to him beating Carl Anthony Towns. I don't think he's the best at every single category. However, I think he's more well-rounded than the other two centers. And Embiid is definitely the best in the paint out of the three by far. He's the best paint player in the NBA. But why I'm benching him is because he's known to not be a great teammate and cause a lot of locker room problems. That's why I'm benching Joel Embiid on this. Now we're going to move on to Tyler. Okay, Dean, I'm going to agree with you on this one. For me, it's already in order. I'm starting Nikola Jokic, benching Joel Embiid, and cutting Cat. And the reasons are Nikola Jokic, I'm just doing it basically. It's an order basically on injury prone. Nikola Jokic is the least injury prone. Joel Embiid the second. And then Cat is very injury prone. And I think if Joel Embiid and Cat can both stay healthy, I think it's a very tight race between them for who's a better center because they're both good shooters and they're both good paint players. But just for the sake of it, Cat is more injury-prone than Joel Embiid. And I think, as Joel Embiid says a lot, you got to trust the process. And Nikola Jokic, as Dean says, um, he's a very good passer. He's a very good team player. And him and Joel Embiid have consistently led their teams to the playoffs, something that Cat has not been able to do. And so for those reasons, I'm going to start Nikola Jokic, bench Joel Embiid, and cut Carl Anthony Towns. 
All right. Well, my list is a little different than both of you, uh, your guys' list. I'm starting Joel Embiid. I'm benching Nicole Jokic, and I'm cutting Carl Anthony Towns. For the same reasons you guys are cutting Carl Anthony Towns, I don't think that he's proven that he could be the number one option on a championship contending team yet. I think that he can get there in a few years. He's definitely an all-star, definitely a good young player, also is very injury-prone. The reason why I'm starting Joel Embiid over Nicole Jokic is the past few years, Embiid has definitely had his health problems. He's had his teammate problems. But when Joel Embiid is healthy, 100% healthy, playing at his best basketball, there is no one in the NBA that can stop him. If you look at his three seeding games so far in the NBA bubble, he dropped 41 points and 21 rebounds against the Pacers, who are a very good playoff team. And then against the Spurs and Wizards, he dropped 27 and 9 and 29 and 11. Now, this is an 100% healthy Joel Embiid who's a force in the paint, and no one can stop him. Another reason why I take him over Jokic is Jokic is a very good passer and he is a very good playmaker, but his defense is still a little iffy. He's not a great defender. Um, he has trouble moving a little bit. He, he did lose a few pounds uh, during the quarantine. I'll give him that, but he's still not in as good shape as Joel Embiid. And he also, he turns the ball over a lot. He makes a lot of bad passes and turns the ball over a lot. So uh, I'm definitely benching him and starting Joel Embiid. Um, Andrew, I'd like to add something uh, since you're starting Joel Embiid over Jokic. Um, can you agree with me that Nikola Jokic did have the better season than Joel Embiid? Because I think that's pretty clear that he did. Yes, he definitely had a better season just because Joel Embiid wasn't fully healthy. But now that he's fully healthy, I'm taking Embiid over Jokic any day. Campbell, we'll move to you now. Okay, well, I'm going to start Jokic. I'm going to bench Embiid and I'm going to cut Carl Anthony Towns. I'm going to start Jokic because he's just the best offensive playmaker of this group. He makes his whole team better, and if he can really solidify a three-point jumper, he's going to be unstoppable on all spots of the floor, so I'm going to start him. And then I'm going to cut Carl Anthony Towns. We've all gone over this multiple times. I don't think he's on the same level as Joel Embiid or Jokic. He could get there at some point. He's still young, but right now I'm still going to bench Joel Embiid over Carl Anthony Towns because Embiid is, in my opinion, one of the most underrated players in the league. When he's healthy, he's one of the most dominant big men in the league. He'd be like a top five player I'd want to start and build my team around. So, yeah. Now we're going to move on to our point guard start bench cut. So who would you start bench and cut out of these three players? Kyrie Irving, Damian Lillard, or Russell Westbrook? So I'll start again with this one. I'm going to start off by saying that deciding who, uh, between who I should start and who I should bench was extremely difficult. Um, so I'm going to start off who I'm going to start bench and cut now. So I'm starting Damian Lillard benching Kyrie Irving and cutting Russell Westbrook. I'm going to talk about why I was, uh, I'm going to cut Russell Westbrook. So Westbrook, although he's an elite point guard in the NBA, I don't think he's quite on the same level as Kyrie and Dame yet. Russell Westbrook was not able to lead the Oklahoma City Thunder with an MVP candidate, Paul George, who is a top three player last season. He, he was the number three uh, MVP candidate. He was not uh, able to help Paul George lead the Thunder past even the first round. And now I'm going to go over why I'm benching Kyrie Irving. So Kyrie Irving is the best ball handler I've ever witnessed. I know I've, I haven't uh, seen Iverson ball handle. Many people think he's better. I'm not taking that away from him. I'm not saying he's the best of all time. And Kyrie's clutchness goes without saying. He's hit one of the most clutch shots of all time in the 2016 NBA Finals versus the Warriors. But I'm also not taking any clutchness away from Dame as he's hit one of the most iconic buzzer beaters of all time, which was on the OKC Thunder last year. And the OKC Thunder kind of got destroyed in that series as Damian Lillard was able to finish them off. 
Dame proved himself to be the best point guard in the league this season with Steph Curry being injured, and Kyrie was also injured the majority of the season, although he was playing very well when he wasn't injured. And what gave Dame the edge for me was the same reason Jokic got the end uh, over Embiid for me. And Kyrie isn't really the greatest teammate. You saw him in Boston. He was a very bad locker room player. And that's why the Celtics, Bleacher Report named the Celtics' worst decision in the past 20 years was the entire Kyrie Irving experiment. In my opinion, Kyrie's sometimes in his own little world and he sometimes forgets about his teammates, which is why I put Dame over him. So I'm going to start Damian Lillard. I'm going to bench Russell Westbrook and I'm going to cut Kyrie Irving. I'm starting Damian Lillard. His numbers are just incredible. He's a threat all across the court. As Dean was saying, he was undeniably the best point guard in the league this year with Steph being hurt. And then the close call, in my opinion, was between Russell Westbrook and Kyrie. But I chose to bench Westbrook because they're both great playmakers. But I think Westbrook is a more well-rounded player. He's a better defender than Kyrie. And then I'm going to cut Kyrie because Kyrie is an incredible player. He's a great finisher at the rim. But he's, he's just poisonous to every single franchise he joins. He poisoned the Cavs in the late 2010s. And then he poisoned the Celtics. And who's to say he won't do it again with our fake start bench cut team so yeah I'm, I'm gonna have to choose Westbrook over Kyrie so Campbell I'm gonna agree with you on this one here I'm gonna start Damian Lillard bench Russell Westbrook and cut Kyrie Irving as we've all talked about Damian Lillard is the best scorer shooter in the as a point guard in the NBA in my perspective he can shoot the best in the NBA and he um he's just a really good player overall and I think that he's his clutchness and his his just playing is better than those other two players. And people have questioned him because his team isn't in the playoffs yet. They're the nine seed right now. We'll see if they'll be able to get that eight seed. But people have questioned his abilities right now. He's the recent 2K cover. A lot of people like him. He's a, in my perspective, he's a very good player. I'm going to bench Russell Westbrook because his intensity in the NBA is unmatched. No one can match his intensity. And also, as we talked about Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving has been toxic in locker rooms recently, and he's the most injury prone out of these three. And for those reasons, I'm going to say I'm going to cut him and bench Russell Westbrook, who is the only MVP out of these three players. I'm going to have to agree with you there, Tyler. Um, I'm starting Damian Lillard, benching Russell Westbrook and cutting Kyrie Irving. I'm starting Damian Lillard just because he's proven that he's the best point guard uh this season his numbers are insane he's probably the best shooting point guard this year because Steph Curry did not play very much this year he definitely had the best numbers out of any point guard and his clutch gene is unmatched by any of these guys Kyrie Irving is clutch but I'm still going to take Russell Westbrook over him I'm still cutting Kyrie Irving just because he can't be the, the number one option on a team and you can still make the argument that Russell Westbrook cannot be the number one option on a team but he can still put up a triple double any day and Kyrie Irving he kind of is a poisonous locker teammate. You know, he creates a lot of locker problems and he kind of wants everything his way. And he's also a defensive liability where Russell Westbrook is very good at defense and he's probably the best rebounding point guard in the league. Now we have a bonus start bench cut featuring Mookie Betts, Bryce Harper, and Aaron Judge. I will not be participating in this one. Some of you may know I'm not the biggest baseball fan. So Tyler, Andrew, and Campbell will be doing it. We'll start with Tyler. Um, so for this one, we're talking about the MLB right now. So I'm going to start Aaron Judge, I'm going to bench Mookie Betts, and I'm going to cut Bryce Harper. For the sake that Aaron Judge, as we talked about in our weekly update, Aaron Judge has gotten off to an unbelievable start. And if he can keep this up, 
he is the best hitter in the MLB. And I think that in the past, when he's healthy, he has been a top five hitter in the MLB. So I think that it's just – and he's a good outfield player too. So I think he's a good, well-rounded MLB player, and I think he that's why he deserves to start. Mookie Betts, as we've seen, he's a very good player too. Recent addition of the Dodgers. He led his team to the World Series where they where they beat the Dodgers. And I think that he also is a very well-rounded player. But I just don't think right now – because of the hitting, he is as good as Aaron Judge. But if he can get back on a level where he is, he's always been a great outfield player, but he can be a very good, consistent MLB hitter and uh, outfielder, I think that he could also earn that start some point soon. And um, I'm going to cut Bryce Harper because in the past, last year in the Phillies, he was really good on the Nationals before. But last year on the Phillies, he wasn't very consistent. And I think that as we've seen, this year he's gone back on track and he's been in the games that he's played pretty good. But he's just the least consistent out of these three players. So that's why I'm going to start Aaron Judge, bench Mookie Betts, and cut Bryce Harper. So I'm going to start Mookie Betts, bench Aaron Judge, and cut Bryce Harper. I'm starting Betts. I'm, I won't lie. I'm a little bit biased because I'm a Dodgers fan. But Betts really has the full repertoire. He's a great offensive player. He has plenty of power. He has accuracy. He doesn't chase pitches. He's a great base runner. He has all that going from on the offensive end. And then as a right fielder, Betts has an incredibly accurate throwing arm. He also fully understands the game of baseball. I know all three of these guys do. I'm, I won't lie. For benching, I tried to find a way to bench Bryce Harper over Aaron Judge just to piss off Andrew, but there's simply no way Harper's better than Aaron Judge. As uh, Tyler was saying, Judge had a better 2019 season, and Judge is already off to a better 2020 season. Judge is a little bit younger, so I'm going to have to go with uh, benching Judge. Okay, so for this start bench cut, I'm going to be starting Aaron Judge. I'm going to be benching Mookie Betts and cutting Bryce Harper. So first off, I'm cutting Bryce Harper because out of all these guys, he's the most inconsistent lately. Uh, he's gotten back on track a little bit, as Tyler said, this season, but he's still been very inconsistent uh, at the plate so far. He chases pitches a lot, especially uh, up in the zone and uh, curveballs that are in the dirt. It was very hard for me choosing between Mookie Betts and Aaron Judge, looking at the stats and their numbers from past years, but I'm going to start Aaron Judge over him just because I think Aaron Judge, he's having the better year right now, but not even taking that into account. Aaron Judge, I think he's a better hitter in general. He has more power and also, his on-base percentage is a little higher than Mookie Betts uh, in his career. And last year, Aaron Judge, although he still had a very good year, he wasn't 100% healthy. Right now, in 2020, we're seeing 100% healthy Aaron Judge, who we haven't seen since 2017 when he should have won the MVP. He came in second to Jose Altuve, although Altuve was cheating, so Judge should have won that. But uh, that's not the point. Aaron Judge is 6'7", 240. He runs like a 4-6. He could be a tight end in the NFL. He covers so much ground. He's an underrated runner. Campbell, you bring up Mookie Betts being a base dealer. He's not as fat as Mookie Betts, but he can steal bases with his long strides, and he can rob homers. So I'm definitely taking him over Mookie, although Mookie is still a very good hitter, and he's still a very good thrower. He's yet to really get to his uh, MVP level this year, so that's why I'm going to take Judge over Okay, so now we're going to move into our developing tradition here on that, the Buzzer Podcast, the 24-second shot clock segment. So everyone will have 24 seconds to make their point on the proposed question. And the question for today will be, which team has the best depth in the NBA? Uh, Tyler, you're going to go first. You have 24 seconds to tell me which team has the best depth in the NBA. Ready, set, go. 
Okay, this is hard for me to say because I'm a Laker fan, but I'm going to go with our crosstown rivals, the Los Angeles Clippers. They have a very deep roster with Montrez Harrell, Lou Williams, Joakim Noah, Jermichael Green, Landry Shamit. They're a very good team, and they their depth is unmatched. They play a 10 or 11 uh, team lineup every game, and I think that that is uh, – you can't contend with that, and it's really hard to say, but I got to go with the Los Angeles Clippers. Very good choice, Tyler. Okay, we're going to move to Campbell now. Who, who do you think has the best depth in the NBA? 24 seconds on the clock, starting now. Um, I think the team with the most, most depth is the Miami Heat. I think they have a really good team. They, they have so many players that can come off the bench and get buckets. So I think I'm definitely going to have to go with them. They have Tyler Hero. They have Jimmy Butler. They have Kelly Olynyk. They have Andrew's favorite, Duncan Robinson. They have, so many, they have so many players that can just knock down shots, so they're definitely going to be the team with the most depth. Definitely a surprising choice, but I like the points you made. Andrew, who do you think has the best depth in the NBA? 24 seconds on the clock, starting now. I'm going to agree with Tyler on this one. I think the Clippers have the most depth. They have two sixth man of the year candidates in Lou Williams and Montres Harrell. They also have good three and D players uh, with Reggie Jackson and Jermichael Green. Also Landry Shamit. He is uh, kind of similar to a JJ Redick type of player, spot up shooter. He can hit shots. Marcus Morris, he was averaging 20 on the Knicks. He can create his own shot. So also Zubats is a great rebounder and block and uh, defender. So yeah, I think the Clippers have the most depth. Okay, now Campbell will time me. So Campbell, just tell him when to start, and I'm going to start. All right, 24 seconds starting now. Okay, so I'm going to actually disagree with all of you guys. I'm going to go with the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics are such a deep team. You see the uh, you guys are arguing for the Clippers and making a very good point, but their end of the bench rotation isn't very good. Like Patrick Patterson and Jermichael Green aren't very good. But the Celtics, they had a lottery pick in uh, last season and Romeo Langford, and this guy doesn't even get playing time on the Celtics. So that just shows how deep they are. And yeah, I'm going to go with the Celtics. That's definitely a good choice. They were my second option if I didn't choose the Heat. And that'll do it for today's episode. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at ATBuzzerPodcast and the platform you're listening on today. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for next week's episode. Along with Andrew Lubliner, Campbell Klein, and Tyler Fertel, I'm Dean McCollum, signing off for now.